days away from Super Sunday. I can barely keep up. This whole last two weeks has honestly been the theme of not keeping up. I can barely keep up with UCSB sports schedules. I can barely keep up with plans I made. I can barely keep up with the NBA trade deadline. I can barely keep up with what week it is in your quarter, Robbie. I mean, I'm just losing my mind. But this is the podcast where people hopefully can keep up. This is Potty Train Me. Greg, thanks for having me back on. I'd just like to say I've also had trouble keeping up with a lot of things over these past couple weeks. But one thing that I have not failed to keep up with is the Kardashians. I would like to take this opportunity to congratulate Kylie Jenner on her... Uh, soon-to-be newborn son, Wolf. Um, I'm very happy for the Kardashian-Jenner family, and I can't wait to see young Wolf blossom into a fine young individual. But let's not get off topic. We are here for the Super Bowl weekend, and I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, and we're coming off of Super Wild Card Weekend for the beginning of this playoffs, which started this whole thread of podcasts. You know I had to fit that one in there. Honestly, Wolf, this is the only thing I'm going to say about it, of all the names in that family, kind of on the upper half. Like, I kind of like it. I like Wolf better than Chicago. Okay, let's not, start, let's not, let's okay, not okay. target kids now. You know, also, I said we were going to move on, but I could keep talking about this for hours. So let's just drop the subject now and talk about what's important. Okay. Football, the most important thing in life, or you would think so, based on the way the world has gone over the last two weeks. Apologize, we're eating chips and salsa. We can't help it. It's the happy hour at Potty Train Me right now. So, uh, before we get into the championship weekend recap and every slap, NFL awards were announced last night, and I just want to give a quick but meaningful congratulations to Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, TJ Watt, Micah Parsons, Joe Burrow, Mike Vrabel, Andrew Whitworth, and whoever won MVP. Yeah, I don't know who that was. No need to talk about it. But yeah, all of those other guys put in a lot of hard work, and I'm happy to see them. And good attitudes. And good attitudes, unlike maybe some other guy. I don't know who you're talking about. I literally don't even know. You're right, you're right. Okay, so recap, championship weekend, the Bengals at Chiefs. Uh, The Bengals were in the Super Bowl, which I guess is a thing somehow. The only slap I could really kind of like come up with just to encapsulate this moment is Lenny Kravitz it ain't over till it's over because the Bengals defeated the Chiefs in Arrowhead 27-24 in overtime after falling behind early 21-3 their 18-point comeback is tied for the largest in AFC championship history the Colts also trailed by 18 in 2006 before beating the Patriots 38-34 Of course, we're just going off of a statistical fact and not our personal memory with that one. But other than Falcons-Patriots Super Bowl, this was one of the weirdest turns of events I've ever seen where one team looked so dominant and way better than the other, and then all of a sudden it just switched and the team that was dominating got tired and started playing bad. Yeah, it was like the opposite of what the Chiefs usually do in the playoffs where they get behind early and have to catch up. And usually because their offense is so explosive, they're able to do that. But they went up 21-3. Their offense looked its usual unstoppable self in the first half. And you just thought there was no way that the Bengals were going to be able to get back into the game, you know, if their offense did start putting up points. But 
I guess the turning point of that game was really Eli Apple's goal line stand at the end of halftime, and the Chiefs only had three more points in the rest of the game after that. I'm glad you bring that up because that was an example of the Chiefs getting a little too cute with it, as people like to say. They were moving the offense so well, it looked like it wasn't even going to be possible to stop them. That throw Patrick Mahomes had to Tyreek Hill for that first touchdown was just ridiculous. And yeah, they're a yard away from getting to 28. Tyreek Hill tries to put a move on and doesn't get out of bounds. Half ends. They don't even get to 28 for the whole rest of the game. Crazy to see the turn of events. And like, I just want to go back to the NFL season preview episode that we did where we had to pick three records we thought we were going to happen. And I don't remember exactly what I picked for the Bengals, but it was really bad. And I just want to show them my respect right now because if you had made me rank 1-16 to going into the season of who I thought would represent the AFC in the Super Bowl, I would have had the Bengals pretty low on that list. I wouldn't have put them below the Texans or Jaguars, but even it seemed like the Jets, like, I think so, but I can't even say that entirely confidently. Like, I could have maybe made some rationalization of, like, Zach Wilson is the truth and the Jets have a better chance than the Bengals to do that. Yeah, it's crazy. I know we've talked about this before on the podcast, but I, of course, picked Zach Taylor to be the first NFL coach to be fired. Couldn't have been more wrong. I'm just looking more stupid as the playoffs go on. But yeah, as you said, the Bengals, I mean, Joe Burrow looked promising at points last year, but I definitely didn't see him emerging as the clutch uh, player that he has been this year. And Jamar Chase really came out of nowhere after a, a bad preseason where he struggled with drops. Did it on purpose. Did it on purpose. I mean, even the defense has been playing really well um, these past couple weeks. So I don't know. I know the Rams are favored, but I think they got a decent shot. No, the defense is playing really well. I'm glad you bring that up because I don't want to take anything away from Joe Burrow. Obviously, as a leader and tone setter, he is absolutely everything you want if you're the Bengals. But statistically, these playoffs, he's been good, but not insane. He's had individual plays like escaping the sack from Chris Jones and then running for a first down again mm-hmm. on third down. Like Those two were just crazy transcendent uh, plays just showing greatness, right? But the defense really has held their own. They stopped Patrick Mahomes. And, uh, you know, Jamar Chase, he did get a touchdown, but was only held to 54 yards. T. Higgins led all receivers with 103. And that Bengals offensive line that was disastrous against the Titans, allowing nine sacks, somehow only allowed one. Yeah, I mean, and like you said, Joe Burrow, his stats, you know, you look at them this playoffs, and they're good, they're nothing amazing, but I think what's really impressive is the poise he showed in the face of adversity, um, both in the Titans game and obviously down 18 in the AFC Championship, and with young players, especially quarterbacks in their first playoffs ever, that's not something you always see, um, which is why it's crazy that he is the first number one overall uh, draft pick, who's a quarterback, to lead his team to the Super Bowl in his second season. That's a pretty crazy statistic. Yeah. And he didn't even get a full first season. I don't think it would have happened last year. Mm-hmm. But he's coming off a brutal injury. And we don't take that for granted. I mean, sometimes we do take it for granted. Look at K. 
Kevin Durant and what he's been able to do after the ruptured Achilles. So with modern medicine and how hard some of these athletes work, I mean, Cooper Cup tore his ACL during the Rams' first Super Bowl run, and he just had like an all-time career year just this season. So it's crazy, but Joe Burrow to do what he did, uh, pretty unbelievable. I don't really want to trash Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I do remember you texting me, I've never seen him play this bad when that game was getting close at the end. But uh, instead, I want to credit Joe Burrow. We've talked on this podcast plenty of times about making the most of your opportunities and cashing in when you have the chance. He's pretty much answered the call every single time. Yeah, absolutely. I think that we could talk about the Bengals all day, but how do you feel about the Los Angeles Chargers who actually beat both of these teams earlier in the season and their second-year quarterback who won Rookie of the Year last year and everyone thought was better than Burrow. Um, How do you think they're feeling right about now? Well, I think they're feeling okay. (laughs) I mean, you know, you beat both teams. I think one good offseason. I've said this since, like, week five with the Chargers, maybe maybe a little later when they started falling off. But they're one really solid offseason away from becoming legitimate contenders. And I think Justin Herbert is just about as good as any young talent in the league. Uh, I know the whole I would take Herbert over Burrow argument as becoming a little bit weaker and weaker as Burrow has gone on. Yep. But I still might take Justin Herbert at this point. I think he's that good. Well, regardless of what the answer to that question may be, I think that this league is in good hands, especially with all the talented young quarterbacks in the AFC between Burrow, Herbert, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. We have plenty of years of good football coming up. Aaron Rodgers might be coming. Tom Brady when he comes out of retirement. (laughs) (laughs) All right, the list goes on and on. Zach Wilson next year. He's going to pull a year or two Burrow magic. Mac Jones after he just had a stellar Pro Bowl performance that included a gritty. Oh, man. Well, the thing is with Mac Jones doing the gritty, like after Kirk Cousins did it, it, like, no one can be more cringe except maybe Adam Schefter. Maybe. <laughs> Those were the two worst videos I may have seen in my life. I don't want to think about it. Okay, let's move to the NFC side because the Super Bowl, after all, is going to be in SoFi Stadium. That is also where the other championship game was held. It was the 49ers going to visit the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams, despite being the four seed in the NFC, ended up hosting the championship game because the Cowboys, Packers, and Buccaneers all got knocked off. Uh, Our slap for this one, why don't you take it away? To live and die in LA, um, as you mentioned already, the NFC championship was held in Los Angeles because the hometown Rams are taking on their Northern California rival, the San Francisco 49ers. And because they win, they get to go to, wait for it, LA for the Super Bowl against, of course, the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, So we thought that this was an apt way to sum up this game. Um, I think it's interesting that if the 49ers had won this game, the Bengals would have been to the Super Bowl three times, only to face off the 49ers. So I think that if you're a Bengals fan, uh, maybe you're a little bit glad that the Rams ended up winning just because of that historical curse. 
Yeah, well, the Rams felt like they had been cursed. They lost six in a row to Mm -hmm. the 49ers. There was no way around the Kyle Shanahan owns Sean McVay narrative. This was McVay's chance to snap it. He did. I don't think you can necessarily say that Shanahan owns him, given that McVay beat him to go to a Super Bowl. And the Rams were trailing 17-7 to after three quarters. So to live and die in L.A. is right, because the bottom line is whether they came back and won or fell just short, it was going down in L.A. That's exactly where they're going to stay until this business is finished. And congratulations to the Rams, because it didn't look like it was going to happen for them for a second, but they rallied back, and the defense in particular stepped up big time. Yeah, and maybe if we're even lucky, we will get a Tupac monogram um, appearance at the Super Bowl halftime show where he could even perform to live and die in L.A., which would really just make our podcast come full circle. Oh, that would be good. What do you think the odds are at that one right now? It's There's actually, all these prop yeah, bets. Uh, probably a little bit... Uh, I don't even know why that's an odds, to be honest. I think if you have the balls to bet that, you should be able to get a pretty good payout. Well, speaking of Tupac and bets, can you actually share a recent bet that you had with a friend of yours? This is my opportunity to brag about the $5 I won. Um, back in August of 2020, I bet my good friend um, $5, but with 20 to 1 odds, that Tupac would not, in fact, come back to life by the end of 2021. And if you've been following the news, you know that that hasn't, in fact, (laughs) happened. Um, But my friend, Gabe Lee, uh, claims that the only reason that happened is because he was gonna, in fact, come back, but then just ended up dying before he could carry out the plan. So regardless of what happened, though, I get my $5, which I'll probably spend on, who knows, maybe a good Snickers bar. Snickers? I was going to say Starbucks. <laughs> probably more likely. Did you get your $5, though? I actually haven't yet. Thanks for reminding me. Okay, well, you know who. Pay up, baby. It's time. So the Rams, they did it. Now, this is a team that Unlike the Bengals, many people would have put them high on the list of teams to come out of the NFC, although it wasn't always the prettiest journey for them. I don't even want to say they had an easy path because they had to play the Cardinals, who it's a division rival, and the Cardinals, yes, they were collapsing toward the end of the season, but not a bad team. It wasn't, they were better than the Eagles, in my opinion. Yeah. They had to play the defending champion Buccaneers on the road and almost lost after going up 27-3. And then they had to play a team that they couldn't beat for the life of them. So not an easy path by any means. I think it's crazy too that this is actually the first time that has been two four seeds facing off in the Super Bowl. Usually the four seed is like the Texans from the AFC and then like whoever comes out of the NFC East with like a seven and nine record. So um, yeah, it's totally wild that both of the division, the division winners with the worst records of their conference ended up meeting in the Super Bowl. That's a really interesting point about the four seeds. It's almost like the five seeds are better more of the time. You think about like when the Niners and Seahawks were good at the same time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the Raiders were a five seed this year. The Buccaneers were a five seed last year, and they won the whole thing. There so you There you go. Uh, good for the Rams. Good for the Bengals. It's going to be a fun one. 
to watch. Let's get to that game. And yes, so we've had 54 years of no team playing a Super Bowl in their home stadium. And now it's about to happen for the second year in a row. As far as the Bengals goes, I mean, I've been fooled by them so many times. I've picked against them every single round of the playoffs. It seems ridiculous to write them off at this point. Uh, I would say the Rams do have the better team. When you look at the roster, they have the higher ceiling for sure. And they even have the home field advantage. But on the other hand, the Bengals feel like a team of destiny at this point. Yeah, definitely. This is an interesting matchup. Because I think when you look at it rationally, the Rams do have a bit stronger of a roster. Um, Most notably, their defensive line has been amazing all season. And the Bengals' offensive line, uh, in turn, has been very shaky at times, especially during the playoffs. Um, Most notably during the Titans game when I believe they allowed eight sacks, was it? Nine sacks. So I think that... Yes, they've showed a lot of poise and a lot of balls all playoffs, but I think that that line matchup could prove to be overwhelming for the Bengals. Having said that, if they're able to weather the storm and give Joe Burrow enough time to get rid of the ball, it could be a really good game. I'm glad you bring up this D-line, O-line matchup because as I've done a lot of research over these last 23 weeks, When it comes to gambling, I have a few rules. And yes, I know it's the Super Bowl and nobody cares if the Bengals lose and cover the spread. But just generally speaking, there are a few rules I've picked up on. And one of those that sort of clicked for me about midway through the season, around the time when the Falcons and Patriots played on Thursday Night Football, is that a good D-line versus a bad O-line is a really bad combination for that offense. It really favors the defense. And so... When you think of it from uh, that vantage point, then you'd think Aaron Donald is one of the best defensive players of all time, and that defensive line is insane. Donald's going to get double teamed or more every single snap, so it's going to open up opportunities for guys like Greg Gaines, Leonard Floyd, Sean Robinson, list goes on and on. Uh, On the other hand, I'm a little worried about Matthew Stafford, and I'm not saying that Stafford hasn't been great in this playoffs. I'm not even saying I want to see him play poorly. But I think after watching the season, we do know, and it's fair to say, and if you're a Rams fan, you would have a real look in the mirror and probably say this to yourself too, which is when Matthew Stafford's playing well, they can definitely go out there and win a Super Bowl. But when he's not it becomes really problematic and all of a sudden there's this giant weight on the defense. Uh, He got away with a really poor decision in the fourth quarter of the championship game when he threw it deep and underthrew both receivers. I'm not even sure where he was going with it, but Jaquiski Tart dropped an easy opportunity for a pick. And I think it was almost this little foreshadowing that the Rams won the game, but Stafford is capable of throwing those type of passes At any moment, you credited the Bengals' defense, fairly so. They don't seem like a unit that would squander those chances with the way that they've been playing this playoffs. Yeah, definitely. Stafford did have that questionable decision um, late in that game, so that's something to look out for in the Super Bowl. But also Burrow, 
Uh, similarly, at the end of the AFC Championship, had a questionable decision that led to a dropped interception. Um, I can't remember the exact moment or the context or who it was thrown to. It was the play on the sideline, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that just goes to show both quarterbacks have been great at times and uplifted their teams to victory, but both are not infallible and capable of making pivotal mistakes that could change the momentum of the game, which is why I think that this is a really tough one to predict. Speaking of which, do you have a prediction for this game? We'll get to that in a second, but just before we let go of that discussion... During those kind of matchups, you mentioned how both quarterbacks have these high ceilings, but also these ability to make mistakes. And it always begs the question, well, which quarterback can get away with messing up more? And at a very first glance, you'd say Rams, they have the better team. But it's almost like neither, right? Because Joe Burrow certainly can't get away with having a bad game, I don't think. I mean... I don't see Joe Mixon running for 150 yards on this defense and the Bengals just finding a way to win a shootout if Joe Burrow is playing so poorly. And with Matthew Stafford, it's like, yes, other guys on his team could certainly pick up the slack and the defense is very strong, but he's had some costly plays that lead to just really devastating momentum swingers. Like, pick sixes or just like these deep balls that come out of nowhere that are intercepted. Uh, Think about that Ravens game toward the end of the season. They did end up beating the Ravens 20 to 19, but Stafford uh, outside that fourth quarter was just horrendous. And there's a reason they were losing to a team with a bunch of backups. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah. Just to further that point, I think that both of these quarterbacks, like you said, Capable of big mistakes, so it'll be an interesting matchup. I want to say that, you know, the Rams, like you said, are more uh, built for poor quarterback play because the rest of the roster is, in theory, better, but you never know. Super Bowl's weird, a lot of pressure, a lot of young guys on both teams, Um, so it'll be an interesting game to see who, in fact, weathers the storm better and comes out on top. The last time the Rams, I almost said Los Angeles Rams, I stand corrected. The last time the Rams won a Super Bowl was with Kurt Warner. And All Things Possible is a book that was written. Now the movie American Underdog is out, and we actually plan to have an episode soon to talk about that with the author that is not Kurt Warner. The author, big superstar, hotshot, great writer. I can't wait to have him on to hear his insight about both the book and the making of the movie. I'm reading the book right now. Um, I think it's Me too. amazing. Um, got a lot of really great insights about Kurt Warner's improbable journey. So if you find yourself at a local bookstore, look for All Things Possible. Yeah, we've been both reading the book. We're all yes. about on pace together yeah. unintentionally, kind of like how we just wear matching clothes here and there. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so now I'll get to my pick. Uh, so here's the thing. I mentioned how I picked against the Bengals all three rounds of the playoffs. And so let's just make it a perfect 4 for 4 I am going to take the Rams because I think their defense will play very well. And they're usually pretty tough to beat if they get out to an early lead. 
the Sean McVay's record when trailing at halftime stat has been flashed on the screen way too many times. But it does highlight the point that when the game plan works well, the Rams are really tough to beat from behind. Kyle Shanahan did it when his season was on the line. No one else has overcome a halftime deficit against Sean McVay. So it feels like safer pick. Uh, I do want to say this before I get to your pick. See this game going one of two ways, which is either it's clear that the Rams are the better team with a more talented roster and their defense just jumps all over the Bengals early. They get out to that lead and the Bengals work all game to overcome it and just don't. Or I think it's a rather ugly game where there's a little bit of jitters. Both teams kind of make some mistakes and Rams mistakes keep the Bengals hanging around and then Joe Burrow uses that momentum to the Bengals' advantage and could possibly take over if they're hanging around a little too long. I don't think he's incapable of mounting a comeback. I just think that's the type of game that is going to favor Cincinnati a lot more. That said, I'll take the Rams. Okay, I think that we've had uh, very similar picks throughout this playoffs, and maybe that's a little bit boring for the potty train me loyal fan base. So, I'm going to add some diversity this week. I'm going to pick the Bengals. I think that there's just something intangible about this team that seems destined for the Super Bowl. I won't lie. I did not see this coming. I didn't think coming into the playoffs that they had any real chance of making it this far. But just after seeing them pull that amazing comeback against the Chiefs, it kind of just seems like maybe this team has something special and I think that I can't necessarily explain it logically, but I think that if this one ends up close, I like the Bengals pulling off, pulling it out in the end and using some of that magic. And uh, just to throw in there, Tyler Hero, as expected, also picked the Bengals. Right, and I can't disagree with Tyler Hero. Oh, man. So the Rams are doing it for the city of L.A., and their brand new stadium, and the Bengals are doing it for Harambe. By the way, Sam Hubbard, who said that, we were there first. Go listen to the last episode. We beat you to it, Sam Hubbard. Yeah, and Sam I'm Hubbard, mad. stop plagiarizing off of us. Not cool. Yeah. Um, the Bengals are also playing for the city of Cincinnati, which I think is very cool. Um, and they're actually, their public school district is having no school on Monday because they're assuming that the Bengals are going to win. So they cited this closure as a way to celebrate the Bengals' Super Bowl victory. So that's very cool for one of the smaller markets in professional sports. I mean, even if they lose... Who wants to go to school anyway? Exactly. Even the non-sports fans are thrilled, right? Gotta be a great day for Cincinnati. Or maybe a terrible day that just gets a little bit easier. Only time will tell. So, let's go into our Super Bowl drinking game. That's right. By the way, I just want to say this before we go into this whole bit. I don't encourage heavily or celebrate drinking. I just really encourage being funny and or obnoxious by enforcing these really dumb rules. This could be a chip dip game. This could be a slap the person next to you in the face game. But the bottom line is, if you are the type of crowd that wants to have a Super Bowl type of game, we got you covered with some fun rules coming your way. And so 
We discussed this a little bit over the last weekend. Didn't officially make this a podcast bit until about uh, a half hour ago. And here we are. So let's think about some Super Bowl drinking game rules. I mean, we both had some good ones. I'm going to start with mine, which is just very obvious. But if someone in your crowd says Joe Shiesty, that's a sip, okay? Like, you're going to hear so many Joe Shiesty references. Take a sip. Yeah, it would be way too much to have that be a shot because you know it's being said by someone. And if you have a big crowd, be prepared to take a lot of sips. Um, I have one. I think this could be shot-worthy since, you know, it could happen, but it could not. But Chris Collinsworth mentioning that he was on the Bengals, um, that's worth a shot. Oh, absolutely. Uh, another one that... I would like to take credit for because there's so many on here that you actually came up with. But any mention of the coach's age. Oh my god, Sean McVay is 36. Zach Taylor's 38. It's the youngest matchup in Super Bowl history. They're so young. Also, like, yeah, of course it's the youngest head coaching matchup in Super Bowl history. It's like when the Patriots lost in the playoffs this year. And they're like, that's the largest playoff loss of Bill Belichick's career. And it's like, yeah, he lost by like 30 or something it's, it's not like he lost by nine i would have been like whoa that's crazy yeah that's a great one um another one is a tom brady commercial Ooh. he of course had that actually pretty funny hulu one um a couple years ago where he made it seem like he was going to announce his retirement so i think that he did just announce his retirement um a week or so ago so it'd be it's very probable that there will be a Tom Brady commercial. I like that. I think that's... Uh, and you're right. That was a funny commercial. I'll admit it. Uh, any Matthew Stafford throw where you're just like, what the fuck? I think that's worth a drink because either that's a drink of relief or a drink to wash it down a little bit. And we know he's capable of them. Might not happen at all or it might happen four times. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you take the next one also? I think this was yours. Okay, anyone who asks, who performed the halftime show last year? And that's that's a couple big sips. Which, by the way, if you can actually think of that right now, good for you. Because I did not know that until I looked it up. The weekend! Yeah! Okay, this is a, a bit of a wild card, but any Addison Ray sighting that could be in a commercial... She could be at the game, on the sidelines, maybe even a halftime show appearance. But any Addison Ray sighting during the broadcast of the game, that's a shot. Okay, I like it. Why don't you take the next one as well? Um, oh, okay, this is a good one. Any showing on the television of Joe Burrow's pregame outfit. Um, that could be from the famous one from the AFC Championship, or maybe if he, he has... A crazier one for the Super Bowl. If that's shown on the TV, that is also a drink. Absolutely. Uh, I would like to offer... Excuse me. I would like to offer two more. And one of them is a big if, because we don't know what the score will be at halftime. But if the Rams are winning, and there's a mention or a showing of a graphic of Sean McVay's record when leading at halftime, that's definitely a couple of gulps right there. Finally... Andrew Whitworth just won Walter Payton Man of the Year. Huge congratulations to him. I thought his speech was awesome. I watched a good chunk of it. And just any mentioning of Andrew Whitworth being the Walter Payton Man of the Year deserves a sit because cheers to you, Wit. Wow. What a wholesome way to end our Super Bowl drinking game. 
Okay, well, I hope you can think of some more on your own, but those are our little leads on the drinking game. Take it or leave it. And speaking of take it or leave it, uh, this episode pretty much out of the way, minus one little bit. That would have to be shout out to, would you like to kick it off? No pun intended. I would love to kick it off um, for Potty Train Me's annual segment. Um, I would like to give a shout out to... Wait, annual? An- that didn't make sense. Uh, what's the right word? Just, I don't know, constant. Consistent. Okay. Apologies. Episodal. Um, but I want to give my shout out to um, the cucumber lime, lime Burt's Bees flavor. I think that there's a lot of Burt's Bees flavors that are a little bit overrated and don't quite get the job done, um, especially some of the more popular ones like pomegranate. Don't get me wrong, um, it's a it's a great flavor, but it gets your lips a little bit too red to the point where if you touch anything with your lips afterwards, it leaves a stain. Um, cucumber lime, there's no stain afterwards. It's a great flavor, nice and refreshing and natural, and I don't think it gets the credit that it deserves, so that's why I'm here to give it a shout out. Wow. Okay, so I'm, hold on, I'm just checking my list real quick. Scented candles, melatonin, cucumber lime, Burt's Bees. I think we need to get sponsored by either Burt's Bees or Lubriderm or Sephora. Just some brand needs to really come through for us because you are Mr. Free PR. Yeah, honestly, there's got to be an opportunity for, uh, an endorsement by some brand of cosmetics or something. Because I'm really just, uh plugging a lot of them for free right now and i feel undervalued my shout out actually relates to a little reference you made can't remember if it was the last episode or the one before that but mr mountain dews baby sean white who will retire following this winter olympics i saw the interview where they show him his whole family back home cheering for him and he's crying and he says it's been the love of my life talking about snowboarding And the entire thing was just so wholesome. So it's crazy how he was just a kid when he started winning gold and had that famous Mountain Dews line. And now this marks the end of an amazing journey. So just shout out to Sean White and congratulations. Just seems like such a happy guy. Yeah, he had that iconic line. And who would have known that he continued to be relevant in Winter Olympics for so many years afterwards? Uh, okay, well, that's going to mark the end of this episode. Go watch the Super Bowl. Have yourselves some fun playing a chip and dip game or maybe a slap game or a drinking game because Joe Shiesty is coming to town. There we go. That's going to do it. Any final thoughts? No, I think you covered it. All right. We'll see you at the next potty train meet with a new Super Bowl champion. Yeah.